You're listening to TIP. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this Wednesday's release of the Bitcoin Fundamentals podcast. On today's show, we're talking about Bitcoin energy and how the Lightning Network is being used to revamp the way that working capital is being used between energy providers that will make the entire system more efficient and optimized. This is a fascinating discussion with my guest, Dr. Austin Mitchell, who's got a doctorate in energy and environmental policy, and his postdoc was research in methane emissions. He has spent his entire career in the energy space, and this is a chat that just demonstrates how fast this entire space is moving out. So with that, here's my chat with Austin. You're listening to Bitcoin Fundamentals by The Investors Podcast Network. Now for your host, Preston Pish. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Like I said in the introduction, I'm here with Austin Mitchell. Austin, I'm excited to have this conversation because you're doing some pretty neat things. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Preston. It's a real pleasure to be here. Boy, you're working on some crazy stuff. First, tell everybody about your background because your background is... You have, to, you have to have this feeling like, how in the world am I sitting at this intersection of all these things in my past to be at this exact moment in time to be building out what you're going to tell us about during this interview? It has to be a little like, pinch me. I can't believe everything <laughs> has led to this. Yeah, thank you. You know, there was there was definitely a moment in my career where I actually sort of realized that there was some intentionality behind how I was sort of stepping through, you know, different roles in different companies. I think that probably happened, you know, somewhere after I, I finished my PhD at Carnegie Mellon back in 20, 2013, where, you know, I sort of faced a, an opportunity to say, hey, do I want to continue down one path or do I really want to sort of flip and go from academia over to the business side? So my career in energy really started at the University of Dayton when I was a mechanical engineering student. And one of the things that you know, was really neat is I had an opportunity to participate in some applied research on energy efficiency. And what we were doing is we were looking at people's energy consumption, both electricity and gas, and we were trying to figure out, hey, why are people using more energy than others? And it was sort of in that moment that energy became this thing that was in a textbook, you know, just talking about the ability to do work. And now it became something real. And, you know, just as a funny aside and, and something that, you know, at each step in my career that I've, I've had the opportunity to see was the fact that, you know, when we put together all the information, you divide how much energy a house uses by the size of the house. And one of the first things that, that I noticed was, hey, there was this kind of a, a cluster of homes in the very far right of the distribution. And what my professor told me is like, well, you know, those are the people that either have five hot tubs or they are growing some marijuana. And, and so it was sort of in that in that moment where you just you really kind of pick up on okay this is what energy really is this is how it affects people's lives and i had the opportunity to get into people's homes help them save money help them find you know areas to be more efficient well i'm, so cur really I'm curious yeah, i'm curious austin so like you know the 80 20 principle what is something that people can do that you know saves them a lot on electricity like what's the one thing that really stands out that's an that's an easy win right that that you can do to cut your energy costs let's hear it yeah. Usually, there's, there's usually a handful of things that, that most homes, especially homes that were built, you know, back in the day, you know, have. So my home, for example, built in the 50s, does not have, did, did not come with any insulation, you know, came with single pane windows, uh, you know, drafty things. It's, it's stuff like that that you, you know, can, those things take some money, but oftentimes there's actually incentives or programs to, to help, you know, offset some of the costs. It, it's also surprising to me when it's just little things like, you know, closing windows in the daytime, like southern facing windows. 
So there, there are a ton of ways to conserve energy to use less. And, and most people aren't really aware of that. So I think, you know, that, that experience there helped me, you know, get, get in touch with how energy is, you know, you know really essential in, in people's lives. And it was, it was more than just what I observed in the textbook. So talk, to, talk to us about your doctorate at Carnegie Mellon, because you were studying, you did a postdoc on methane emissions. And I know that for Bitcoiners, this is a really hot topic. Explain why, and then kind of get into some of the stuff that you were doing in that research. Yeah. So right after graduating from the University of Dayton, I went to Carnegie Mellon and started a PhD program in engineering and public policy. And so that really kind of fit who I am, which was, you know, I'm an engineer. I like the technical side, but I also like to understand what does this mean? Bigger picture. How do we take science and technology and apply it to the real world? And, and so that was really the focus of the program. And as I was starting school there, you know, Marcellus Shale. So this is the big shale formation that underlies Pennsylvania, Ohio, and, you know, West Virginia primarily. And that was just starting to get going. So I had the opportunity to really focus my time there, just really understanding shale gas development, what it meant for the area. And, and kind of my approach to my thesis was actually picking three different hot topics and, and just sort of trying to provide objectivity to, to the understanding. And so I kind of ended with this interesting thesis where sort of there was like one paper that was sort of very, you know, supportive of what the natural gas industry was doing at the time. Another paper that was, you know, sort of, you know, painted a different picture talking about ways that they can get better. And then a third that was saying, hey, it's the regulators that are screwing this up. Mm. And, and so it was sort of in that experience where I think I saw, hey, there's credibility in just sort of being this neutral person, somebody who's being a scientist, not with a bias, but just saying, let's let the data do the talking mm-hmm. and let's figure out how we can, can you know, structure policy or make regulations to, to you know, keep everybody happy and protect the environment, but also enable economic development to occur. And it was from that experience that you know, I, I was given then an opportunity to join what was this sort of nationwide study of methane emissions where, you know, we were basically trying to understand at that time throughout the, the value chain of the natural gas industry, where was the methane coming from? How could we address some of the things? What were going to be the quick wins? So leading this nationwide study with Environmental Defense Fund, five natural gas companies, Carnegie Mellon, Colorado State, you know, I basically spent a year on the road with the team. We were driving around a, a van that you know, said Carnegie Mellon on the side. But it, it really didn't, it didn't look like much. And what most people didn't realize when we pulled up to, to rural hotels in western Oklahoma, et cetera, was that in the back of that van was a half a million dollars of measurement equipment. Mm-hmm. So we got to go to all these different sites, you know, really see parts of America that folks didn't, you know, folks don't typically see, see, see energy production in ways that, that folks don't see. And that, that study was, was really interesting because one of the key findings was was not that there was sort of widespread pervasive you know issues with methane emissions. It's that hey, there's there's a, there's there's a few sites that on a given day a valve gets stuck open, or you know one particular site that maybe was poorly maintained. You know those are really what we identified to be the issues. And so it wasn't you know my view coming out of that wasn't necessarily that hey we have to you know change things in, in you know some giant way. It was hey there's there's a we can you know back to the eighty twenty. You know, we can we can solve eighty percent of the problem. You know, with just going after twenty percent of the issues. Yeah. And one of the other interesting things that happened there, and this this actually led to to me really wanting to to pivot into the industry itself, was the fact that almost on one of our last sites, we pull up to it, and it was like ten percent of the methane was just you know spewing into the atmosphere. You know, so much so that you could actually see it from the 
just pulling up. We didn't even need the equipment to measure it. And, you know, for me, it was, it was sort of simple talking to the, the site's operator. Hey, you know, this is something that we should want to fix, right? And, and the feedback was, well, no, it's not, you know, and, and the operator at the time actually took the time. We went, we, we dug into the actual ROI of fixing things. Mm. And for, you know, for that next dollar that the company had, it actually provided a better return to put it into drilling a new well. And sort of the lesson that I learned there was, okay, well, there are problems there, but there's things about the business that I need to understand to really change the business. I've always wanted to be somebody who's, you know, creating positive change, you know, working to sort of accomplish both things, protect the environment, but also, you know, grow the economy. I, I you know, have always, always sort of tried to strike that balance. And, and so when I sort of heard that, I realized, hey, there's something I'm missing here. Time to go, you know, really dive into the business. And the very next thing I did is go work for an upstream oil and gas company. And laying pipelines and drilling wells was, was probably, you know, one of the most fun jobs that I've had. In, in that previous example, now a company would, would have an incentive to plug that up and do a capital investment with Bitcoin miners in order to harvest that, correct? Yeah. I mean, I think what's, what's great is that the incentive structure is changing and it's partly, you know, you know, top down, but also sort of bottoms up, you know, companies wanting to change the way that they operate. And absolutely. I think, you know, that's one of the things that really drew me into Bitcoin mining in, in this whole space was seeing an industry that had a wholly different view of what energy means. And, you know, where, whereas sort of waste and shaded energy was something that companies, you know, people don't really want to talk about. The Bitcoin mining industry wanted to talk about it. They wanted to find those sources of energy so they could use them to mine Bitcoin. And for me, that was just, you know, sort of that mind-blowing event where I was like, hey, this is different. This represents something. This is an innovation that I had never come across before in my entire 15 years. When you said ROI for them to go, you know, do another, to drill in another spot was a far better ROI for them. If you compare that to Bitcoin mining, would the Bitcoin mining now kind of present a better ROI for them? I think so. I mean, you know, I'm not, it's been a while since I've sort of had the spreadsheet open looking at Bitcoin mining in, in the economics. I know it's challenged right now. But I think that anytime you provide more options, it's an option that didn't exist. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, at the very least, you know, when you think about how can we keep more methane in the pipeline, prevent it from, you know, leaking into the atmosphere, and now you have another option to do that. And it doesn't have to just simply be sent into a market where it's unprofitable. Yeah. Frame up for us the problem as you see it today. And talk to us about your company and explain to us what it is you're trying to solve. Yeah. So what's really interesting, Preston, is that in my career, I've I've had the opportunity to really experience the full value chain of energy. And so after I worked in upstream oil and gas, I then worked for an energy retailer. So that's where, you know, it's, it's electric and gas and it's trading and it's, it's, you know, basically selling in deregulated competitive markets directly to consumer. And then I moved over to utility where, you know, now it's sort of soup to nuts. You're seeing how, you know, the infrastructure gets put in place, sort of that whole centralized mindset Mm-hmm. in terms of how energy is, you know, procured and distributed, you know, to homes and businesses. And, and in that experience, I think the thing that really st- stuck out to me was, hey, we're really good at moving energy. Energy moves very efficiently through the system, whether it's natural gas or whether it's electricity, it's efficient. And you can have multiple companies sort of in that value chain, each t- touching that energy, you know, from the point of production to the point of distribution and consumption in your home. But what I saw was that as I progressed in my career, there were, there were instances where, you know, we're managing risks of things that had to do more with the financial side. 
had to do with the fact that it was actually very inefficient to move money from the consumer back up through that same value chain. And, and so I think that's really kind of where the light bulb went off on, hey, here's this problem of financial inefficiency. You know, there's, there's actually a lot of costs associated with, with just the financial side that doesn't add any value to the energy itself. And in fact, when you think about the inefficiency, it, it distorts the price of energy, distorts the cost of it. And, and it leads to things like, you know, aggregated costs and, you know, socializing of costs to sort of a broad swath of people. And, and what we don't see is, is really the granularity that exists. You know, energy, the price of energy is going to vary across space and time. You know, one part of Ohio is going to be different than you know, North Ohio is going to be, you know, different from Southern Ohio. I live in Ohio. That's why I say Ohio. But, you know, it, it's, it's, there's so much of a disconnect today between physically and financially that that's really sort of where I was like, hey, there's, there's something here that we need to, that I wanted to dig into. And it was Bitcoin mining specifically when you think about the fact that, you know, going back to Bitcoin miners moving to the energy itself. You see them eliminating so many pieces of the puzzle in, in doing that. You know, so much of the any inefficiency, they're cutting it out by cutting out all of those middlemen saying, let's go directly to the source. Let's, let's reduce that waste. And what sort of struck me was that even in those situations, and this, these are the conversations that I had with the team in the very early days of, of forming Sonoda, was that everything was changing but the one thing that was staying the same was how they were transacting with their counterparties. Mm-hmm. So how they, how the Bitcoin miners were still paying the energy producers wasn't changing, even though everything else about the equation was changing. So let me say back to you what I think I heard. So really the working capital for people that maybe own a small business or whatever, and maybe they have a net 60 or a net 90 settlement with their, with their vendors, there's frictional cost in that working capital to settle. What you're going after and what you're trying to solve is you got all these different energy producers that, you know, maybe 60% of my house is being provided energy from this one producer. Then later in the day, maybe it's 50% and it's constantly in flux and changing depending on which region that energy is coming from. And what you're saying is that the settlement, you're trying to accelerate that settlement time. Am Am I reading that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So when you go to pay your energy bill today, what you're going to see is that you're paying for energy that you consumed, you know, in a previous month. Yeah. So it's often the case that we're paying for a bill weeks, if not months later. And by the time that the money then moves to the other counterparties upstream, it can be months to, in some cases, we've heard 120 days. Wow. So it's, it's that cash lag, which is really sort of, I think, the starting point of, of the issues. It's sort of one, one side of the problem that we're working to solve. And, and it's significant because... So when you think about that, what's happening is, is the energy producers and, and the utilities, they're providing that, that energy to you as a consumer. They had to buy that. They had to produce that. So that was cash out the door to bring that to you. Yeah. yeah. Cash isn't coming back in the door until you pay them two months later. Yeah. So there's that, there's that lag that is not free. So you know, we, initially, when we started talking with folks about the problem we were trying to solve, they would say, well, hey, I like the flow. And in our response is always, well, the float isn't free. It's a, you're, you're getting a, lo- yeah. a loan every month, but you're paying for it. And it turns out that it's, it's actually quite costly. So the, the last couple of companies I worked for, you know, there, were, there was sort of a seasonal dynamic to the cash flow where during the wintertime, you know, consumers are consuming a lot, you know, especially here in northern states, you know, in their natural gas. But they're not, the bills don't come in until the spring. So you have this cash negative to cash positive situation. And when you're cash negative, you have to turn to, the banks into you know your, your you know your credit line. You have to turn to the commercial paper markets wherever 
to get the cash to fund your operations. So that sort of setup is is pervasive in the industry where you know folks are are constantly dealing with cash imbalances, constantly having to deal with the, the question of credit worthiness of their counterparties. And you know, what's the one way that you can solve that? Well, post collateral, post a bond. Again, things that are inefficient tie up capital. So you you have this whole edifice or structure established in the industry that's affecting cash flow, creating this credit risk. And then on top of that, it just is the pure financial inefficiency of the daisy chain of payments where you pay your bill and then the utility then pays the supplier, the supplier then pays the producer. And so it's just these big chunks of money that are you know, sort of piecemealing and in, in large chunks their way through the energy economy. And it's just really inefficient. You know, when you really sort of what, that back, it's huge. How, how much of the expense, if you would go from the top line of 100 and maybe the bottom line for one of an energy company, what are their margins? 8%, 6%, something like that? So, yeah, so how, how much of that expense structure that's, that's eating away, we'll just use the really easy numbers. Let's say they have 5% margins. How much of that $95 of expense is attributed to what you're describing here with the settlement? Yeah, I think that we're, we, our, our conservative estimate is 10% wow. you know, of, of the cost of energy. So your bill, 10% of that is, is likely to be just financial inefficiency, wow. back office overhead, mm-hmm. fees from intermediaries. You know, it's, it's really sort of, you know, a poster child for inefficiency. And, yeah. and so the other thing too, that, you know, when you go back to the, the fact that, you know, Preston, I'm sure you always pay your bill, but there's a lot of people that don't. And there's a lot of businesses that go out of business, especially in tough economic times. And so one of the things that, you know, we, we just published an article in, in Bitcoin Magazine and we talk about, it's a perfect quote from McKinsey where, you know, they say, hey, five to 7% of, you know, people don't pay their bills. And so that cost doesn't get eaten by utilities and energy companies. That cost gets passed on to you and me. Yeah. So not only are we paying for the inefficiency, but we're also paying for the people who don't pay their bills. And it's not the case that, you know, this is one of the things that we can, we can certainly talk about. It's not the case that folks not paying their bills is, is you know, there, there are solutions to that available, but they're inaccessible today, again, because of the financial inefficiency that's out there. Yeah. So basically you're saying they don't pay the bills for 90 days or a hundred days. And so then that's being passed on to the customer. So how do you solve this? Cause you're solving this with Bitcoin and lightning and nodes and explain to us how you are solving this problem. Cause this is fascinating. And we've talked a lot, a lot about the problem and I think it's cause it's so big. So how do we solve it? I, I think the very first thing that, that we would you know really focus on is just the instant settlement aspect of it. So if you go back to somebody, you know, you paying your bill two months later. So not only are you consuming energy that entire time, so you're, you're waiting, to, you know, here we are, you know, in, in October and, you know, you're paying your bill, let's say from August or, or September. So by the time you pay that, now you have two additional months of consumption, et cetera. And so that whole thing, what we want to do is sort of realign the cash flows and how we're using, doing that is instant settlements over the Lightning Network. And, and what the Lightning Network gives us the opportunity to do. So, I mean, I think everybody understands the benefits of the Lightning Network, the features. So low cost, instant payments, you know, finality. Stream, right? Streaming money, I think is the streaming best way money. if people don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do we have to do from there is we just have to figure out, well, how do we, how do we use those properties? How do we use the features of the Lightning Network and a Bitcoin peer-to-peer payments and apply them to energy? And so what we've done is we've created a programmatic link between your, between energy meters, IoT devices, et cetera, anything that is 
you know, part of the energy system, hardware that's associated with the energy system, creating that programmatic link between that hardware and the Lightning Network itself. And so what, what our software does is it's really that intelligent bridge, that programmatic link, so that as energy is moving, now we can be using that as a trigger to then send payments going in the opposite direction. So what we like to say is, hey, it's, you know, it's energy or money moving at the speed of energy. And that's really wow. sort of the, the view that we want to create. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Our friends at Corient provide wealth management services centered around you. Corient's goal is to exceed your expectations and simplify your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. They are one of the largest integrated fee-only U.S. registered investment advisors, and Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. They have extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. The teams at Corient put the collective power of their expertise into building you the custom wealth, investment, and family office solutions that can help you reach your holistic financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, speak with an advisor today at Corient.com. That's spelled C-O-R-I-E-N-T dot com. That's Corient dot com. When Rain Wilson had a great idea, he turned to AT&T Business. They assured him no matter how out there his idea may be, they had his back. So he came up with this, a talking pillow designed to put you to sleep, backed by a reliable network and the only network with built-in security controls. And thus, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your business to the next level at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. All right, back to the show. Yeah, so the energy's flowing in and the sats are, are flowing back to the source instantly. And, and in that programmability, what it does is not only is it sort of create that secure, intelligent linkage, that programmatic connection. Yeah. But what it also does is it opens up the world of possibility in terms of how energy is priced and structured. So much of the system that we ex- that exists today. So you know, part of what I would say in terms of the background for where we got to today is the fact that you know everything was built at a time in the '50s, '60s, and '70s. A lot of the infrastructure in the energy space was built then, and it was all centralized. And there, it depended on on somebody you know reading your meter once a month. So the whole energy system has changed over the last 20 years to be digital. You know, now, now most people, their utility knows how much energy they're consuming the moment they're consuming it. Cause we have smart meters on, on most homes in the U S so that's changed. There's no more meter readers, but the financial back office systems, those are still stuck in, in, you know, in that era. And, and so what that does is, it makes it very difficult to now deal with the richness, the abundance of the data that's out there mm. and still try to push that through those centralized systems. Because if you think, you know, went from one data point, you know, per customer per month to now thousands of data points per customer per month, 
that becomes a big data problem. It becomes an issue with processing that. And so what we can solve by decentralizing the whole system is now we can actually handle the data in its entirety and we can process in a decentralized way and really open the door up to now more flexibility in terms of how we transact. So you, Preston, could choose to pay your bill. You know, you could choose to you know, do streaming payments. Maybe you want to pay every 10 minutes for your energy mm-hmm. and you like to open up your phone and see, you know, money come out every 10 minutes. But maybe your neighbor says, no, I'd, I'd actually like to pay once a month still. Mm. You know, we can now we can sort of solve the differences. And that's sort of an easy example. I think the more the biggest opportunities are going to exist in terms of how we actually reflect the true cost of energy, because most people today, you know, they they're just assigned a, a, a specific rate. And that rate is, you know, I'm a residential customer in southern Ohio. So I pay this price for this month. Well, we all know in, in Bitcoin, you know, the Bitcoin community knows better than I think, you know, most industries. That energy is is not, you know, that is not the true cost of energy. It's not one price in over a broad, you know, ser- service area, you know, that's fixed for a month. It actually goes up and down. So now we actually have the processing capability through decentralized, you know, through the decentralized, through how we built the software, then say, no, we can do real-time pricing at a very granular level. And Preston can pay differently than his neighbor. Austin, how do you think about the exchange rate? So most people want to still denominate their expenses in fiat because they see that as less volatile than Bitcoin. But there's also, I know when you look at like Jack Maulers and he's streaming US dollars from one account to another, but he's using Bitcoin Lightning as the rail to do it instantaneously. And so there's nothing, that exchange converting it from dollars to Bitcoin back to dollars again. Is that how you guys kind of see happening for for the user and and talk to us a little bit about the user interface that you see this happening under yeah that, that's it so that, number one you know jack mollers and what strike has done has absolutely been an inspiration for us i think that was you know one of those light bulb moments through the progression of Sonoda and, and how we got to where we are today was you know jack mollers talking at you know bitcoin 2021 jack mollers being you know on cnbc telling the world you know how we can really change use the Lightning Network for payments, but in a way that sort of meets people where they are, meets them where they're comfortable. And so we've really embraced that concept of, you know, our vision is that people will, people will, will sort of interact with their, their energy payments and, and will have the opportunity to interact with it in just the same way they are today. You know, it's, it's fiat going, leaving their bank account, but it's really leveraging the Lightning Network as the payment rails and then having decentralized processing, you know, connected into that network to, and, to really make it be more complex and dynamic. And they don't even need to understand that. They don't even need to understand it. And, and ultimately, you know, what we want to see is, is just as Jack says, you know, a better user experience. Yeah. Because they, it creates a whole different, you know, the landscape will completely change in terms of the products and services that people can be offered related to energy. Because there's going to be no limits in how they transact. And so the pitch to the end user. So here I am at my house, the energy company contacts me. They say, Hey, would you like to save 5% every month on your energy bill? If so, load $300 into this account via whatever app. And then it's basically streaming that money through the lightning network, which would be all on the back end that that, that user wouldn't have to deal with. Correct. Is that is that kind of the that's vision? exactly the idea. And, and what's interesting is there are there are actually a number of companies that have sprung up use you know with that same approach, sort of pay as you go, but it's all 
it's, it's, it's still tethered to the way things work. The yeah. only difference is just that it's, it's really, it, they're, they're called pay-as-you-go, but really it's just a prepay. So I think with, with Bitcoin and Lightning, we can actually have a true pay-as-you-go option where it's your money until you're using it to pay. And so I think that's really what the big change is and cutting out all of that financial inefficiency. And one of the other really big opportunities, Preston, is that back to that sort of daisy chain of payments that's out there today, what we, what we can do now is, is think about split payments. So, you know, I know, every, you know, many oh, of your listeners are yeah. familiar with sort of the value for value model that's out there where, you know, you can have multiple people receiving instant payments at the same time. Well, energy has this, this property where it doesn't change, it doesn't change value, you know, for the last you know, bit of the value chain quite a bit. And there's usually a number of parties involved in the transaction. So now instead of, you know, the utility paying the supplier, supplier paying the transmission company, et cetera, et cetera, now everybody can pay to once. And, and so that's where you start to see, you know, enormous savings come to, come to bear. And that's what we get really excited about because now it's everybody in the equation is happier. And it's, it's everybody from the energy broker who can say, hey, you know, I, I had a part in, in you know, this, this supply deal. They're the last people that get paid in a lot of transactions. Now they can get paid right at the very, you know, right at the front with everybody else. And so it just really changes the dynamic. Do you see any role at the, at the main hubs, the main energy hubs between the various energy companies using a similar model? Or is it, is it kind of handled in the business? maybe on a tighter timeline, like net 30 or something between the, the various energy companies. Yeah. You know, so I'll tell you that, you know, part of our vision is that, you know, really the entire energy economy is going to, I mean, that is our vision is the entire energy economy is going to settle on, on the lightning network. So every energy transaction, your bill, B2B, you know, when you think about one of the, there, there's a number of platforms out there where wholesale energy trading occurs, you know, those platforms would be a perfect use case for, Hey, everybody on everybody who's trading energy, let's be linked into the Lightning Network and let's let's do let's do the financial settlement right away. Yeah, and, and it's all of those platforms where to be a participant in them, you have to post exorbitant amounts of credit to your, your collateral to be a participant. So now we can expand, you know, access to those types of trading platforms. You know, if you don't have those barriers in place. If we had a, an executive for a major energy company listening to the show right now, what would be your one to five liner to them? Yeah, so I, I think that you know what we need to talk with when we talk with executives and, and things like that. What we really are talking about is cash lag, credit risk, and the barriers, the inefficiency, and uh, just the inflexibility of the system. Yeah. It's not easy to change the billing system today. Yeah. So now you can. So those things resonate, you know, head, you know, top to bottom with everybody we talk to. Usually the feedback that we get when we talk to the energy executives is, you know, it's more of just like a skepticism around Bitcoin still at this stage. And, yeah. but, but hey, you're solving some of our biggest pain points. And, and I know it because I've, I've, I've been on that side of, of the equation. I've had to manage the credit risk. I've had to, to track the cash flow. So I understand what all this is about. And, and that's why I know that the solution is, is perfect. It's just, Making it so that way, you know, adoption is easy. And I think I that's where, you know, going back to Strike, energy companies today do not want to receive Bitcoin. But yes. a company like Strike has opened the door to say, hey, but they can receive USD, you know, in that transaction. And, and everything can still be the same. But, you know, just as Jack says, right before it gets to their bank account, it flips to USD and, and everybody's, you know, content with how the transaction went. 
I think so few people understand that right now, that you can do these atomic swaps between fiat and Bitcoin back mm-hmm. to fiat. Huge news with Cash App this week, fully integrating Lightning. So here you are talking about immediate streaming money via Lightning, and you have arguably one of the biggest payment platforms on the planet with Cash App, fully integrating the Lightning Network into their, into their app. And I, I don't know about vendors like restaurants and whatever that are also using their platform, but I would imagine it's, it's available there as well. What are your thoughts on that? And it, I'm assuming you're very bullish on this idea. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the, the big thing for us, a so part of you know, all, how we view our company and, and the progression that we're going to make in the development is we're, we're leveraging third parties. You know, we're integrated with some of the, the leading companies in the space, and we expect them to continue to advance just as we will. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're you know, as an example, we're not focused on building that off-ramp. We're leveraging a third party to help us do that. Yeah. And, and so we only expect that like Cash App, Strike, et cetera, are going to continue to progress as they have, and we'll be able to continue to tap into what they're building to really provide you know, good on-ramps, good off-ramps to really sort of round off the full user experience. So yeah, it, it, part of everything that we're doing is, is anticipating the growth in key areas that today are not as mature as they need to be to get sort of mass adoption, but we think in, in a short period of time, they will be. So I don't know that if I'm, if I'm just reiterating something that you previously said, but you wrote an article just recently the other day called Towards a Future of Energy Abundance. One of the quotes in there that I really liked, you said, the future energy economy will be settled on the, on the Lightning Network. Every home business, substation, solar farm, whatever energy is produced, distributed, or consumed will be programmatically linked to a node on the Lightning Network. Instant settlement on the Lightning Network reduces or eliminates financial inefficiencies, cash lag, and credit risk. I just found that to be a very profound quote. Here's, I got one more here. This industry sees value in stranded or wasted energy when many are trying to cover it up, where the legacy industry mindset seeks to curtail demand to meet supply, miners see an innovative and inclusive future driven by increased demand. Wow. That, that quote there at the end is, I think it's a slap in the face to the energy, to all these people running around saying we need to consume less, right? You're saying the exact opposite with what the promise of, of what a lot of this delivers. Talk, tell us your yeah. thoughts. Well, I'll tell you, let me, I'll, I'll own the fact that two years ago, I was one of those people who thought we needed to consume less. So, so walk us through, years, walk us through that. Change. Walk us through the transition. Yeah, so it, it really was. So for me, it was actually attending Bitcoin Miami 2021. So I attended that as a representative of the utility I worked for at the time. I saw Bitcoin mining. You know, I knew about Bitcoin. I was you know, buying Bitcoin on Robinhood through my weekly DCA. You know, forgive me for, for you know, using a non-custodial solution. But that's, that was what I knew. I knew enough about it to like And I was really intrigued by you know, Bitcoin mining, you know, the growth in the U.S. And since I worked for an energy company, I said, hey, this, there's, there's certainly maybe some risk here, some opportunity. I was in charge of, you know, risk for that utility. So I really wanted to go understand this. And, you know, being down there, you know, a couple of things happened. Number one, you know, I got a math lesson from Greg Foss and, and that sort of, sort of pushed me really close to the rabbit hole. And then I spent a dinner with the IBEX team. And, and I can just tell you, I just instantly sort of saw the, 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 the mindset shift, it just started, it just kicked off. That plane ride home, I can't even describe how I felt sort of 
you know, jotting down everything that, that I had learned and all of my, you know, preconceived notions of energy and things and how they could be changed. Because what I saw was, hey, not only was, was this, you know, as the quote says, you know, people who are seeking wasted, stranded energy, but I thought about how much more efficient. So you talk about efficiency as reducing consumption, but I thought, no, there's an even greater efficiency that's possible if we have just a flexible grid where, you know, supply and demand can be constantly, you know, tugging and pulling at each other with price going up and down to reflect the true dynamics of the market. Yeah. And I was like, that's the efficiency we should be seeking is that. And the financial system that we have today in energy finance prevents that. And it is an absolute barrier to that. But if we can get to a point where energy is freely traded at a granular level and the true cost and the economic value are known, that transparency is going to do wonders for not only the efficiency of the market, but just wonders for how people use energy. And, and I think it's just going to open up, you know, un, un, really unleash innovation, unleash investment, not only, you know, locally, but globally, because as we know, you can, you know, send Bitcoin anywhere in, in the world instantly. So I think that's really sort of the transformation. One of the other things that that happened shortly after that was I, I started to talk to people that I also knew in the energy space and, you know, people that I knew had open minds and would be willing to say, okay, well, how does this change things? And, and it was incredible. And a lot of the folks are on the team today, either, either as advisors or, you know, full-time members of Sonoda. And, you know, they all saw it the same way. They saw, Hey, this is transformative. You can really truly reimagine the energy system when you aren't sort of tethered to, a one, a one sort of viewpoint on how it should exist. And one of those people was my friend Dan Snitzer, because he is the CEO of a company called SparkMeter. And they do, basically, they're, they're, one of the things that they do is, is hardware and software and mini grids in, in emerging markets. Now, they do a whole lot of other things, and it's really neat. But that's really kind of was what, what got them started. And we talked about how, you know, the very first few years of, of a mini grid in, let's say, rural Africa it's, it's actually quite risky and, and very unprofitable. You know, people there are spending 30, 50 cents a kilowatt for electricity. And there's not a lot of sort of natural demand. I mean, you put a mini grid in where there was previously no electricity. You know, the, the people there don't have, you know, all the appliances that, that we're accustomed to that, that consume energy. And so we talked about, well, hey, how can Bitcoin mining really uplift and enable that and, and, and sort of de-risk these projects? And, and so that led to just, you know, incredible conversations, not only about the U.S., but globally of how we can sort of change the narrative, change the dynamic. And, and so, you know, one of the cool things, which we're going to talk a whole lot more about as a company, is just that of, you know, some partnerships that we formed in Africa to do that. To basically say, hey, we're going to help seed, you know, mini grids there with Bitcoin mining. As I sit here today in Columbus, we're going to be paying for the energy that's being consumed in Africa. And so we're mining Bitcoin in, in, in two places in Africa today and, and paying for it in, in Columbus, Ohio. And what it does is it, it it's creates this win-win-win scenario where not only are we you know, able to get the Bitcoin at, you know, at a good price, you know, a good price for the energy, but now we've added you know, increased revenue for zero cost to that mini grid. And so that mini grid is now benefiting from more revenue coming in. They can lower the cost of the community. And because, you know, if you want to go back to creditworthiness, we're a creditworthy customer paying instantly. The mini grid operator themselves is really happy to have us as a customer as well, because they're not worried, are we going to pay the bill in 30 days? So everybody is, is better off in this equation. And, and it just is another example of 
uh, you know, a productive use of energy. So there is a whole series of things that folks call productive uses of energy. Bitcoin mining, you know, belongs in that space, belongs in that, you know, it, it fits in that definition for me. And, and it's truly transformative of what it can mean, but it, it does go beyond that. And it goes to how do we think about just investing in energy infrastructure generally? And so what we've done is we run the numbers, we've built the models to say, actually, what it really now enables us to do is build bigger mini grids. So now we don't have to just think about where the community is going to be in five years. We can think about where that community will be in 10 years and, and you know, just continue to sort of optimize and or maybe maximize really opportunities that are there. So it's just one example. I mean, so we've talked a lot about the U.S., but here's where, it, you know, it's not only Bitcoin mining, but it's, it's, you know, Bitcoin mining is a piece of the equation, but it's how we can transact across borders, really open up markets. And now, you know, we can really envision a whole new future for what it means for energy equity and energy access. I can just see it on your face. Like, this is something you can't unsee. No, that's exactly right. Once the light bulb went off, I, I, I think I was, I was a changed person. I remember coming home and after that same plane ride I talked about where, you know, I, I think I spent three hours, you know, with my wife just downloading everything. And, and it, it's just the excitement that I have has, has carried with me since that moment. And, and really the community then has, has just further reinforced everything because not only have I experienced, you know, people who see, you know, I think as, you know, Jeff, Jeff Pruitt talked about in, in the podcast with you recently, you know, it's about, you know, abundance and hope in just that mindset shift that's that that you you see in, in people in the space but the other thing too is just you know along with open source just people who are open yeah I, i've i've grown accustomed to all my years in the energy space and even in academia where it was like you didn't want anybody to know what you knew you you wanted to find you know the best well best location to drill your well or you wanted to, to publish your paper first I feel very differently being in the Bitcoin space. And, and I think that's very freeing because then, you know, I can go into conversations, my team, you know, can go into conversations and just talk about what we're doing. And, you know, for some people it really resonates and we've, you know, gotten a ton of great feedback to help make what we're doing, you know, really enhance what we're doing. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. If you're looking for the right franchise concept at the right time, an iFlex Stretch Studio franchise is the business for you. iFlex is the newest franchise concept from the founders of the Joint Chiropractic. With over 200 licenses already awarded to our regional developers, there's never been a better time to own an iFlex franchise in your market. An iFlex Stretch Studio franchise offers its clients the best in professional-assisted stretching for one affordable price in one beautiful location. Even the Mayo Clinic says stretching can increase flexibility and improve your joint's range of motion, helping you move more freely. Prime regional developer opportunities and franchise locations are going fast. Don't miss this opportunity to get into this rapidly growing health and wellness business from the founders of the Joint Chiropractic. Find out more today. Call 888-994-35. 539 or visit iflexpodcast.com. Call right now, 888-994-3539 or visit iflexpodcast.com. Kyle, you're connected with a ton of different investors and portfolio managers, and you're just really in the know on a lot of these things. How do you keep up with all the day-to-day headlines for your portfolio companies? Yeah, so I used to have a ton of issues with this, and that was until I started using Yahoo Finance. Really? What's so great about it? 
So Yahoo Finance is awesome. I have my whole portfolio entered and I can easily see all the top headlines to keep up with the recent news. And each day you get an overview of the major global events that might be moving the market. So I'm ready to easily pounce on any opportunities that come my way. What else can you do on Yahoo Finance's platform? They also have a number of cool features, including a tool that lets you link all of your investment accounts, analyst ratings, and independent research, as well as the ability to create customized charts. Well, now I know that the audience is really going to love this one. And I actually see they have 90 million monthly active users. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. All right, back to the show. So Austin, you guys are a brand new company. You're just starting out. How are you guys prioritizing what you're going to focus on at the start? Yeah, Preston, thanks for the question. I think you know, where we're going to be focused is in the Bitcoin mining space. You know, We think that they are the, the ideal energy consumers to really initiate this innovation. And the reason being is because, you know, A, Bitcoin miners understand the technology. You know, as, as you know, we, we readily admit, there's, there's areas in terms of on-ramps where it's, it's not, you know, we don't have all of the solutions yet to do that seamlessly. So Bitcoin miners being able to pay in Bitcoin um, really sort of streamlines and we can build a frictionless, you know, payment flow around that. And, and it's really a, also a, a sort of a good for the, what's good for the goose is good for the gander because now we're talking about bringing significant scale into the Lightning Network and, and really helping us sort of evolve and mature the technology. So we're definitely starting there and, and, and it's ideal because Bitcoin miners more than anybody have, you know, understand the value of, of sort of, you know, price responsive demand and, you know, price sensitive supply, et cetera. So here we can sort of link those two things up. We can provide that transactional flexibility, provide instant settlements. And what it ultimately would do is I think it would change sort of the narrative around Bitcoin mining because now the energy suppliers are not going to sort of view all Bitcoin miners as a credit risk because now they're going to be able to be paid more frequently. So we think it's a really big opportunity to, to really demonstrate what's possible in this space and at the same time, you know, grow and scale our own technology. Austin, tell us a little bit about the team. Yeah, Preston. So the, the team, the team is incredible. It, it are, it's comprised of folks that that I've you know met throughout my career, and you know people who are open minded in the energy space, but also bring just a wealth of knowledge. So we have folks who have, have been you know on the front lines fighting for energy equity. We have folks who are on the front lines fighting for deregulation. You know, so collectively we have over 125 years of of experience in the energy industry throughout the value chain. My co-founder Lisa Scott. She is a JD and a CPA and, and really sort of brings that back office experience. You know, she's seen sort of how things look when, you know, it's not sort of operationally on the front line of energy. It's sort of dealing with things as they come in, you know, you know, in paper form and, you know, across the, you know, the financial platforms of the back office. So we have that, that, that experience. And what we've been able to do is really combine it with lightning expertise. And so Max Signan, our head of technology, you know, he's previously worked at Strike. He's an incredible developer and, you know, he's building a great team around him today. 
And one of the important things about, you know, how Max and I connected, which I think is just a true sort of, you know, Bitcoin community story was, you know, at the meetup and, you know, being at the Columbus meetup talking about, hey, here are these problems. And then, you know, Max says, hey, we can solve those. And, you know, we can we can use the Lightning Network to solve these. And, you know, we don't need to do a smart contract to do it. You know, I still look at the technology and I think, hey, kind of looks like a smart contract, right? But he's like, but it's not. <laughs> and it's way more efficient. It's way more secure. And it's it's Bitcoin. You know, it, it does things that uh, you can't do with other technologies and it does them faster, better and cheaper. So, you know, it's just really a, a kudos to the team because I'm, you know, just one part of what Snowda is and, and what we will be with the talent that we have. Austin, if people wanted to learn more about your organization, if people wanted to get involved, are you looking to add people to your team? Talk to us about where you guys are at in that timeline and where people can learn more about you. Yeah. So as a company right now, we are, we are you know, right at the very beginning of our seed stage. And what we're doing is, is really kind of focusing on commercializing our initial product, which is going to be you know, tailored to the Bitcoin mining space. And you know, can, can talk about that certainly. But what we're going to be doing is, is from there, you know, moving out into other industries and into other sort of you know, segments of the, energy, of the energy space. And one of the things that we're looking to do is, is bring people on board. So we have, have a great team today. Our technology is being headed up by Max Dignan. He's an incredible talent. And you know, we can sort of see as we move from Bitcoin mining into sort of the other areas where we want to go, we're going to need, you know, need to find you know, additional folks. And so obviously, as a Bitcoin-only company, we are trying to attract Bitcoiners to the mission. And, and so that's how we're approaching this. And so we've got a couple of postings on our website. You know, we invite anybody to go check those out. Or if, you know, just any general inquiries, we're happy to, uh, to tell you what we're doing. This is really just for us a really exciting time to be, you know, getting our start and and you know putting ourselves out there as here's a really important and you know potentially huge use case for Bitcoin. It's not the case that we're trying to sort of solve a problem that doesn't exist or any you know here's a really big problem of financial inefficiency and financial inflexibility and, and we have an opportunity to use the things that the, the tools the technologies that that are being built. To solve those and and what it does is it's better for energy companies and it's better for for energy consumers so it's it's a win-win there i mean i think we all know who loses out in that equation but it's not the consumers and it's not the energy companies yeah. and and so we get really excited about that and and we hope others you know see that as well we also think that you know one of the core things in how we're building is you know we're, we're also doing the tech out in the open as well so you know as a new company we're still figuring out exactly what that means and you know each facet of it but some of our core you know, technology is open source today because we think that this is not, this is not, it's not going to be Sonoda that brings the whole energy economy to the Lightning Network. It's going to take a lot of people doing that. And, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be done through integrations and it's going to be done through partnerships and finding new ways to sort of connect people because there is really an opportunity for a network effect here. And, and that's what we want to see happen. Because yeah. if you have two parties, you know, transacting together, now let's think about, okay, well, somebody who's then upstream says, hey, I want, I want to also get paid right away. So there's really a, there's sort of a very natural network effect that we want to create, but there's definitely some big challenges to solve. And, and that's what we're excited to do. We tell people, you know, with, with what we're doing today that we, we fully intend to break the lightning network along the way, not the full network, of course, but like the, the transactions volumes that we're talking about, the amount of liquidity that's going to be required the reliability. So, you know, one difference is 
we're not paying for podcasts. We're paying for a critical service. So if people's energy bills don't get paid, well, then their energy gets shut off. And that, that can be a big issue. So we need to push you know, reliability to 99.99%. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be that high for very large transactions as well. So it's things like that, which haven't been done before that we're going to have to do. And we know, we know we're going to have to break things, but then build them back better. And, and so that's sort of the mission that we're on and why we get really excited about the tech and where we're at today. Wow. And what I love is you're doing it in developed nation states and you're doing it in underdeveloped nations. It's just, it's fascinating to see the breadth of what this offers the world. And when you look at the, for people that aren't intimately familiar with the Lightning Network, when you look at the growth rate of this thing, I mean, it is moving out at a clip that's unparalleled when you look at the amount of coins that are being, channels that are being set up within that. Austin, what a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for making time and coming on the show. We'll have some links in the, in the show notes for people if they want to check out some of that stuff. We'll also have a link to your uh, Twitter handle so people can follow you there and keep track of, of what you're up to. Any final comments or things that you want to highlight? No, Preston, this has been a real pleasure. Thanks for giving us the, the opportunity to talk about Just really love everything that's happening in this space and excited to now be a part of it. So Absolutely. thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. If you guys enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow the show on whatever podcast application you use. Just search for We Study Billionaires. The Bitcoin-specific shows come out every Wednesday, and I'd love to have you as a regular listener. If you enjoyed the show or you learned something new or you found it valuable, if you can leave a review, we would really appreciate that. And it's something that helps others find the interview in the search algorithm. So anything you can do to help out with a review, we would just greatly appreciate. And with that, Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to TIP. To access our show notes, courses, or forums, go to theinvestorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.